Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Kevin Ingram. We'll talk Vanderbilt basketball a little bit about the win at Georgia over the weekend and the loss to Kentucky on Tuesday night. Kevin appears on the guest line. That's presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael's a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call, 615-830-9458. Now on to our conversation with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram, the radio voice of Vanderbilt Hoops, joins us. Kevin, disappointing outcome for Vanderbilt in Memorial Gym on Tuesday night. Thanks for joining us to talk about it. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, anytime, Chris. Yeah, always, always great to be on here with you. Um, let's hit the disappointing side. You saw a good effort in Athens. You saw a lot of players step up. Um, just was a different effort, I guess. I don't know if effort's the word or what it is. Jerry Sackles might say it was effort, but it, Jordan Wright and Miles Studi just didn't give them much. And when that happens with Liam Robbins out, it's just going to be very hard for them to win. Yeah, it really is. And after the game, Jerry Stackhouse said as much. I don't think he was in any way pleased with the, the team's performance or effort or any of those things. He said it was about as disappointed as he's, as he's been uh, in a team's performance uh, since he'd been coach here. Um, I, you know, you, you kind of look up and down and see who did what and really, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't get production out of Jordan Wright and Miles Studi, both, you know, come in averaging double figure points and with Robbins and, you know, his production out of the lineup for a bit here, uh, it is going to be really difficult. Uh, you know, they got a kind of an unexpected 14 points, probably out of Malik D. I don't know if you're expecting a double figure night for him, but he hit four threes and, uh, look good in doing it. And Tyron Lawrence has uh, put together a string of good games there. He had 12, but you know, other than that, the production and scoring just wasn't what it has been for this Vanderbilt team that averaged 80 points per game through the first six games in SEC play. And you know, that was helped out by a 97-point game against Arkansas and 85 more against Georgia. But, yeah, last night, uh, not you know, in, in a, you know, a, a league schedule where Vanderbilt's really played pretty well, uh, even in the games they've lost in the SEC, uh, last night was uh, kind of an outlier to that for sure. That was one of the weirder box score lines. What was it? Vanderbilt had, I don't know, five fouls and five turnovers, something like that. I mean, like you, you know that going in, you think they win, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's really strange to see a game where you just don't have any fouls called on your team, Harley. And you know, sometimes I wonder if that's a reflection of of you know maybe how the game has gone, or maybe that you weren't physical enough, or something like that. I mean, you want to you want to play defense without fouling, but. Yeah, you look up, you only have five fouls. Kentucky only went one out of two from the free throw line, and that was from Sheepway. Uh, and Vanderbilt went 11 of 12 from the stripe. You think, okay, that, that's not a bad recipe, but you know, you know not not a lot of turnovers or points off turnovers. Vanderbilt actually led their 10 to 2, but I, I thought Kentucky, to their credit, I thought they really played well. They they moved the ball just lightning fast throughout the night, and 
in transition was where Vanderbilt, I thought, uh, really lost out at times. Kentucky was able to beat them down the court and either get to the basket or get a good look, and uh, they, they shot a good percentage. They were 56% on the night, and they were well over 60% for a whole lot of the second half. So, you know, I, I thought uh, not Vanderbilt's best performance, and, and I thought a, a good showing by Kentucky. Uh, they look like they're uh, playing better. They've got, that team's now won four straight games. My apologies. I gave Vanderbilt one more turnover than it committed. Uh, that's that's incredible. <laughs> Four turnovers. Um, yeah, I think before we get into to last night and everything, I believe that Liam Robbins is now out of the boot. Are you hearing any improved prognosis on potential return for him? I I don't know any more than anybody else does as far as that goes. I mean, um when the injury happened, I guess it was uh, before the Alabama game, right around that time, um, they, you know, the initial, what, what we were told was, was four to six weeks and, and go from there. Uh, I think we're all kind of hoping it, it'll be less than that, but uh, I, I don't know any more than, than anybody else does as far as his injury or when he might be able to get back. Before I go into some other things, you guys, of course, have Jerry Stackhouse after the game. What were the things he said to you? in reacting to how the game went immediately afterwards. Yeah, it, it was more about the effort uh, than anything. Uh, you know, I kind of asked him about Kentucky's transition offense and also Kentucky defending the three, which they, they did a good job of getting out to Vanderbilt shooters. Commodores did not get the usual good looks. But, you know, he, I, I think he was upset that uh, he, he didn't feel like the Vanderbilt moved the ball like they typically do and, and shared the ball and looked for the best shots. He felt like a little too much uh, dribbling, a little too much one-on-one. The ball was sticking, as he talks about and. I, I think that was the biggest source of disappointment and, and probably the reason that, that some of the guys who are regulars uh, found some uh, additional time on the bench last night. He just didn't really like the way things looked or you know the fact that the, the passing just wasn't there. And you, you look at five assists on 18 made baskets, that's not really what this uh, program and offense is supposed to be about. Well, the other thing that stood out to me is when the game was close, and I don't mean to throw this kid under the bus because he's had some good games, but it, he just was so off last night it was noticeable. I don't know if it was Oscar Shibway occupying the middle or what it was, but Jordan Wright just missed so many short shots that he normally hits. Yeah, he does. He went 0 for 7 on the 9, and there a couple times he drove in there and looked like he was going to have a chance to score. You know, he, He's been pretty effective at driving in and you know making a couple fakes and you know, using his pivot foot and, and getting in close and scoring. But, yeah, he just wasn't able to do that. And it's, you know, it's really hard to drive in there into the body of Shibway and, and try to get around him and score. He's just such a big presence inside uh, on both ends of the floor, and with, whether it's playing defense or rebounding or scoring or whatever the case might be. But, yeah, for Jordan Wright, just you know, after a string of really nice games, he, he scored double figures in all of them in the SEC and uh, really been playing well and really been a big factor in, in Vanderbilt's SEC wins. Jerry Stackhouse has really challenged Jordan Wright to be a leader on this team, and not just for what he's putting in the scorebook, but uh, the example that he sets in terms of how hard he plays. And uh, yeah, it was just not not a not a good night for Jordan Wright. He had a tough one, and we'll see if he can uh, bounce back when the Commodores get out there against A and M on Saturday. What went into the decision to start Paul Lewis? He gets 22 minutes last night, which probably, I guess, is a season high. Maybe some of that is just he's been hurt and, and perhaps he would have been playing more minutes by now. But I'm just curious your insight on that topic. Uh, well, he actually started the game at Georgia going back to Saturday, and that was his first start of SEC play. He had started one back earlier in the year against Southern Miss. And, yeah, he, he was hurting out for a while and missed some time. But, they, you know, they've been really high on him all along. 
um, as far as a guy, you know, a freshman point guard and he could shoot. And uh, you, we've seen some of those things out of Paul. And I, I actually think he's played pretty well in these, these last couple of games. They scored seven points last night, scored six against Georgia at two threes. You know, he came out in the game against Georgia and like the very beginning of the game, he got his first shot blocked. And after that, he knocks down two threes and he's kind of off and rolling after that. But I think they're looking down the road and thinking, okay, we have to develop someone at that position, you know, to play the point in, in coming years. And they feel like Paul Lewis is a guy who's really going to serve him well in that role. I mean, he was a guy who's a you know, pretty highly recruited player coming out of Virginia. And I think they're happy to have him, happy he's healthy and uh, able to get out there and do some good things. I guess you've seen two extremes now. You saw the game at Georgia where a lot of people scored and the offensive effort was just there from start to finish. And then you saw last night against Kentucky where they just weren't very good offensively. And some of that obviously is opposition. But it just seems like you've seen two extremes here in a two-game stretch over, what was it, three days. What did you see in the win at Georgia that you feel like is a realistic carryover for them? Um, I think one of the things that Georgia was, Ezra Mignon was able to really drive and get in close and score in the paint. He scored 19 points in that game. And there was a stretch in the second half where he, he basically took over the game and even had a steal at midcourt, took it in and slammed. And um, how I was hoping to see more of that last night from Ezra, but Kentucky's a little taller and has you know, a little better rim protectors. And I, I think they knew uh, how much of a threat Ezra can be in, in driving, just a, you know, a matter of trying to stop him. Uh, you know, Kentucky is one thing, and Georgia is sort of a different sort of team. I and mean, Kentucky's a lot bigger, and Georgia doesn't have anybody even close to, to being like Shibway as far as an inside presence. And Vanderbilt shot the ball well. They, they came out against Georgia and made some shots right away, and it felt like you know, if they could see a couple go down, go down early, uh, whether it's in the first half or even in the second half, it feels like Vanderbilt gains confidence off that. And I, I thought Vanderbilt played pretty good defense against Georgia the other day. He got some stops at the end and, and really made their free throws when they needed to to get to the finish line in that game. But uh, just from – and really the first half, most of the first half against Kentucky was, was close. But then uh, a 19-3 to run wrapped around halftime. Kentucky went on a 7-0 run right before the break and led by nine at the half and then came right out and, and went on another run uh, right out of the locker room. And the game kind of felt like it was over at that point. And, uh, yeah, Vanderbilt's offense just never really got got going like what we saw at Georgia when it felt like the ball was moving well and Mignon was driving and people were hitting threes. And uh, it, was, it was just a really smooth performance. I thought that was one of the better games Vanderbilt's played the whole season and you know the second half against Arkansas you saw it in that game but yeah last night and again to Kentucky's credit they, they played really good defense they got out on shooters uh they just didn't you know they were able to switch and, and get you know the matchups they wanted and and uh get the Vanderbilt shooters to prevent good looks from three and, and they were really effective in that regard Malik Dia, I guess his ears have been burning because there was talk he would have to play more and step up his game with the absence of Robbins and Lee Dort. He did that last night, four or five on threes, scores a team-high 14 points. What did you see from him last night? What do you see from him going forward? Uh, you know, it's funny. You talk about big guys for Vanderbilt, and you have – Liam Robbins and Quentin Laura Brown, who are the veterans, and they have Lee Dort and Malik Dia, who are the, the younger guys. And, it, and I know it's almost like there's some feeling that Lee Dort and Malik D are sort of interchangeable players, but they're very different players. Lee Dort is a, is a big presence inside. He's going to score around the basket, block shots, and get rebounds. Malik D is more of a, you know, he's almost like a stretch four kind of player. He's going to get out there and, and take some three-pointers. He's a good shooter. I mean, saw him hit four of them last night. And, I mean, he shoots some roof scrapers, but, uh, you know, he's – 
he's a lot more of a weapon from outside than he is a, a banger down low. Um, I, I was I was happy for Malik for him to have that kind of performance. You, he, he and you know, Dort had seen more playing time before he got injured and, and had been really effective in a couple games uh, against Tennessee and against Alabama. And uh, you know, for for Lee Dort, I mean, for uh, Malik Dion, I should say, just hadn't played very much until just the last game or two, and you know, some by necessity. But um, I, I thought he looked very comfortable. He took some tough shots and kind of created some some shots for himself, and uh, you know, maybe even forced up one or two. But they went in, and uh, yeah, that, that was fun to see. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Doctor Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. How do you see them splitting points uh, or points, minutes at the point going forward? Uh, maybe points too, but <laughs> you've got you've got Ezra Manion, who again was tremendous against Georgia and, and not so much last night. You got Lewis who starts last night, and you got Noah Shelby who gives you things in stretches, not to mention uh, Trey Thomas. It just feels like from night to night, you just don't know what you're going to get and who's going to play out of that spot. That's probably a little unfair, especially when they'll play a couple of those guys at the time. But I'm just curious if you have a feel for what this is going to look like going forward. Yeah, I don't know, Chris. Uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's kind of a guessing game, and I'm sure that, you know, it's based on what these guys do in practice and maybe just the feel of the game uh, that the Jerry Stackhouse and the coaches have. I mean, you look at more true point guards. That's what is a true point guard. Now, he's uh, he's not gonna guy who's going to step out and make threes. He's more of a drive to the basket, hit some mid-range shots, play good defense. Paul Lewis guy is, is a little more of a threat from the outside. He can hit some three-pointers. We've seen that in the last couple games. But, you know, really a, a solid point guard. I, I think Trey Thomas at times has done a really good job at the point. Uh, we've seen him grow in that regard over the last couple of years. You think in that Arkansas game when Magnon got the two technicals at the end of the first half, and they were forced to use other players to bring the ball to the floor. Trey Thomas looked really comfortable and did a good job there in getting Vanderbilt into its offense. Now, Noah Shelby, to me, is more of a, a two-guard, a shooting guard. Uh, he is if, – if you watch these guys and just watch them shoot from the outside, Noah Shelby, to me, has a, has the sweetest stroke of everybody on the team. Um, he's going to have a game at some point where he makes a whole bunch of threes and scores about 20 points. But I, I think he's a little different guard from maybe the, these other ones we're talking about. Like to me, Noah Shelby and Trey Thomas are more your, your classic sort of two guards, you know, shoot threes from the outside. And, and again, Trey has grown in as far as playing the point when they've needed him to. But uh, Ezra Magnon and, and Paul Lewis seem to be more of your, your true point guards, especially Magnon. He's, he's really good. 
Okay, I'm going to hit a couple of questions from the mailbag today. I know I'm a little pushed for time, so I'm just going to do two. Uh, the mailbag is presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Ann Arbador says, listening to Stackhouse, it sounds like he's got a specific system that requires players to be in a specific spot in a particular situation and specific expectations for defense. Do you think this learning curve plays a role in teams' slow start in the season and maybe the reason the freshmen are playing more now? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think as, as the season's gone along, I think everybody's probably gotten more comfortable playing together and playing in this system. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, there, there's a lot to the offense that they run, and they, they run some great stuff, by the way. It's, you know, it's, it's really pretty fun to watch and watch them work on it in practice or in a shoot-around getting ready for a game. They, they, they're really pretty well-schooled at running their stuff. And I, I think that was a lot of the frustration for, for Stack last night after the game. He just didn't feel like – Guys were doing what they they practiced and what they were supposed to do, and doing a little too much one on one, too much dribbling, and the ball wasn't moving like he wants it to. But I think you know, as far as the question, uh, yeah, I, th- I think these young guys have just got more comfortable, and you know, you have additions to the program. It's sort of the nature of college basketball now, where you have a lot of new players every season, not just at Vanderbilt, but every team does, and it just takes a while for these guys to get used to playing together. Last one: Do you have a favorite Memorial Gym magic moment? This is from Willie Two Ten. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, as far as, you know, the years I've done the games, just these last couple seasons, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the home wins are pretty fun. Really, the Arkansas win was, was very fun a couple weeks ago. Uh, I haven't really had one of those big signature wins against one of the, the big SEC power teams. I thought last year when Shane Foster's jersey was retired and Vanderbilt beat LSU that day on that Saturday, I thought that was really a special thing. Uh, that was cool to watch, and just knowing Shane and what a great guy he is. So, yeah, in, in the last couple seasons, I would say those are the ones. Uh, the NIT games last year are fantastic. Uh, Vanderbilt beat Belmont on that first one, and then a really fun overtime win over Dayton on that Sunday afternoon. Uh, that was cool, and it, it felt more like old times in there with the crowd loud and a lot of students. And you know, kind of think back to the old days, and you know, I'm I'm old old enough to remember the '80s when it was really cranked up in there. And there have been lots of good teams since then, but yeah, there's. There have been a lot of magical moments, and I think we'd all like to see the uh, the gym get back to those times where it's packed and really loud and uh, really supporting the Commodores. Hey, Kevin, thanks for joining us today. I just wanted to give you a chance for any parting thoughts or announcements with the podcast or anything like that on your way out. Yeah, Andrew Allegretta and I, uh, we're working on uh, getting a new editions of the podcast out here very soon. We have our Monday night show uh, each week at 6 o'clock at the Commodore Grill. And on Saturday, 7.30, tip-off for Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. That'll be my uh, first ever trip to College Station. I've been to all the other SEC places. I've been all of them for basketball except for A&M and LSU. So I'll be able to to check one off the list. Uh, We'll have pregame at 7 o'clock on the Vanderbilt Sports Network. Be safe. Have fun. We'll see you in two weeks. Sounds good, Chris. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. 
And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.